This week, I want to I wanna focus our attention on something that I found deeply, deeply uh, encouraging over the break that we had uh, in December. And uh, yeah, I wonder, as you start a new year, maybe you feel uh, the year's already flying. Uh, we're midway through Jan already. Uh, some of you maybe just got back from holiday. Others, you've been working all the way through. Uh, and I wonder what you, what you think 2021 holds um, for you, uh, for our church, for the nation, for the world. Um, uh, 2020, I think it's been said a million times, was, was quite a year. And none of us, none of us knows what 2021 holds. Um, I think, as I was reflecting on it, 2020 and this season still has had a way of stripping down um, so much stuff. I think in some ways it's been the grace of God that so much has been removed from us that we've been able to get a lot of clarity on what's, on what's essential, what's really important in our lives and what are optional, um, fluffy, extra things. Some of those are good things, um, they're not all bad things um, that have been taken away or been limited in, but I think it's been a blessing to have the season to really be able to distill, oh yeah, it is. It is, the, it is the faithful grace of God. It is our families. It is our health. It's the ability uh, to, to work, even the blessing of having a job, um, having a church community that we can know and be a part of and, and then be together with and so many other things. It's, it's, it's brought clarity for us around what things are really um, essential versus what are extra. And I think it was the first time I ever heard uh, people's jobs described as essential workers, and we found out very quickly last year, didn't we, who was essential and who wasn't, at least according to some people, whether your job was essential or whether you were optional and you got to go out and, and work and stuff, and maybe we were headed for some more of those days again, uh, hopefully not. But um, I want to ask the question, what is, what is essential for us this, this morning as we head into a new year, as we head into 2021, uh, what's essential for us as we, as we take those learnings from last year and this period that we're still in, what's essential for us? And as, as the followers of Jesus, it's becoming increasingly clear, at least in my mind, that, that growing intimacy and knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ is essential for us. There's, there's so much stuff that we've realized we can do without. There, there's so many things that we've packed our lives with that we're part of that, that we've realized, well, those are nice to have, but they're not essential. And, and yet, as, as we've lost those things, we've gain greater clarity on what we desperately, desperately need in the midst of the loss of the other things. And that, I believe, is a growing intimacy and knowledge of the person and the work of Jesus. And that's part of why we're deep diving into the Gospel of Mark, because we just want to sit at Jesus' feet, as it were, and, and just marvel at Him and learn from Him, look at Him, hear Him teach us, model our lives on Him, marvel at, at, at the saving work of His life and and just see how that transforms us, gives us both a pattern to follow, but it just, it just strengthens our souls and it shapes us. That. Uh, and as we spend time, as I said, over this um, December period, uh, we were at home, but I had lots of time to read and think. I want to share with you something that, I, that God really used to strengthen me um, over, de- over this uh, December break. And it was the picture of this. It was the, it was the biblical concept that Jesus uh, is praying for us. That Jesus is praying for us. Not that Jesus prayed for us. Uh, not that Jesus says an occasional prayer for us. But that the biblical truth that, that Jesus continually is praying for us. I have no idea what this year holds. 
Um, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. My kids keep asking me, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with this? And you know, even, even today, they were asking me, when are the schools going to open? I said, I have, no, I have no idea. I have no clue. I have no clarity. I have no assurances for them or for us as a church. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and, and I think in the midst of all of that instability and lack of clarity, we need to, we need to focus in on what is abundantly clear to us. And that's why I found this so deeply encouraging, because this is abundantly clear to us in the Scriptures that that even though we don't know what the future is, Jesus knows. And he is praying for each of us who follow him, each of us who are his brothers and sisters, who are the sons and daughters of God. He is praying for us. And, and um, I'll share with you the verse uh, that I meditated on, and we're going to walk through that this morning. But I find it such a deeply encouraging truth that has both strengthened me and shaped me, and has shaped the way I pray even, um, feeling like I'm joining in, uh, in Jesus' continual prayer for my life and for our church and nation and the world. So if you have a Bible or a phone, have a look. We're just going to look at one verse together, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says this. Therefore, he, speaking of Jesus, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Let me just give you a little bit of the context here. Hebrews is a book that, <clears throat> in, uh, it's a New Testament book that largely interprets uh, a lot of Old Testament, um, the sacrificial system and lots of Old Testament imagery and practice and, and, and helps us understand that in the light of the New Covenant and the coming of Jesus and the cross. And in this section of Hebrews, a lot of a lot of Hebrews deals with the fact that Jesus is a, is a new and perfect high priest. Um, and this sort of section deals with that. It explains a little bit what high priests would do. And high priests had mainly two main functions. One was to, one was to offer sacrifices, and the other was to make prayers uh, on behalf of the people. Um, so sacrifice and prayer. Sacrifice and prayer. That's what the, the high priest's main job was to do. And you see Jesus coming here and the writer to the Hebrews explains this, that Jesus comes as this perfect high priest. Uh, and he, he's different from all the other high priests. The other high priests had to make sacrifices on behalf of the people, but also for themselves because they weren't perfect. They were, fallen, they were fallen men and they had to offer sacrifices for themselves. And they were able to make prayers to God on behalf of the people. Um, and here comes Jesus. He doesn't offer a sacrifice uh, for himself because he doesn't need to, because he's, he's perfect forever. He's the spotless lamb uh, forever perfect. But he offers himself as a sacrifice, and it's by his own blood given in sacrifice that the whole sacrificial system stops because now it's not just the blood, the blood of goats and bulls that was offered that could never actually um, take away sin. And, and the, the, the priest had to continue to do this again and again and again. Now a different high priest comes, and he offers his own blood, uh, and it's a pleasing sacrifice to God. And that whole that whole situation comes to an end. That whole sacrificial system stops because this great high priest has finally and fully done that. And it says that after he's done that, after he's made atonement, he's sacrificed himself and his blood has been shed, he sits down at the right hand of God. And um, you've probably heard it before that there were, no, there were no seats in the temple. The priest never sat down because it was a picture of there was always work to do. This, the system just kept going. But once Jesus makes that sacrifice of his own blood, it says that he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Uh, the job is done. The work is finished. There's no more need for sacrificing because the perfect lamb has offered himself. 
So he's offered that, that, that sacrifice, and now he lives to offer prayers. Now he intercedes. He's, he's doing this, this dual work of the priest offering sacrifices and prayers. And it's this ongoing work of him praying that I wanted to us to, to focus on that's in this verse. We'll get to it. We'll build through it a little bit. But what I, what I want to do very simply this morning is just look at this verse. is broken down into three little sections, and there's no points. I'm just going to read through the, the bits of the verse uh, and, and, and make some comments on them that can encourage us and strengthen us. Uh, it says there, he is able to save completely. He is able to save completely. It doesn't say he's able to save partially. It doesn't say that he'll get you going, um, and then the rest is up to you. Um, I don't know if you, maybe you're, maybe you're a parent here, or maybe, maybe you remember when your parents taught you how to ride a bike. I heard, I heard somebody the other day, I was in a conversation with them, they told me they don't know how to ride a bicycle. Uh, and I was, I was appalled and flabbergasted. I mean, if that's you, then you know, I'm, I'm, I'm offering assistance because I think everyone should know how to ride a bicycle. It's the most wonderful thing that you can do. I didn't know adults uh, who couldn't ride bicycles, but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. But when you're teaching someone how to ride a bike, you, you sort of get them going, and then you eventually have to let them go because they're normally going a bit faster than you, and you let them go. And I remember dealing with one of our kids, you know, giving them a head start, and then they forgot to pedal. I mean, I was yelling at them to pedal, but they just you know, got a bit of stage fright, whatever, stopped pedaling, and they eventually just sort of ran out of momentum and just fell over. Um, that's not how you ride a bike. You actually have to use your legs and stuff. And some of us, I think, feel like that's what the Christian life is like. like God gave you a great start, he, he saved you, he got you going, and now he's, he's taking his hands off you, and now it's up to you. Now you need to knuckle down. Now you need to, you need to guts it out. Now it's up to you. you know, get, get going. Come on. You know, he's given you everything you need. He's, he's filled you even with the Holy Spirit, so now get on with it kind of thing. And, and there's elements of truth to our ongoing um, following, our ongoing striving. Paul talks about that, running the race. There's a lot of things that we do. But it's all in the context of the fact that it's Jesus who is able. He's able to save us completely. Our complete salvation is in his hands. What he started, he will finish. He hasn't given us a, 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 like a running head start and taken his hand off the saddle and we're going to run out of pedal power and fall over. At the start of a new year, I want to remind you that God's promise to us is that in Jesus Christ, he will save us completely. He will save us completely. What he has started, he will continue all the way until we are fully and finally saved. Whether we are in heaven with him or he comes to fetch us, it's all secure because of who Jesus is and what he's doing. And I hope this is encouragement for, for you. I, I don't know what condition your faith is in uh, as you start a new year, whether it's wobbling or it's a bit weak or it's distant. Maybe you haven't spent any time with the Lord over the holidays you're a bit disillusioned. This whole pandemic has just battered your confidence and your belief and your intimacy with God. And you may be feeling a million miles away from Him. And I want to encourage you that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a child of His, this is His assurance to us that He's able to save you completely. And it's not up to you. It's not up to you at the start of a new year, getting your act together, getting back on the bike and pedaling away. He is able to save you completely. He's done it all. It's a full and finished work on the cross, and you are in his hand, and he will save you completely. We didn't get to go to the beach uh, this year, and so next best thing was reminiscing about being at the beach, and we were talking about the, with the kids about a holiday a couple of years ago when we were at Mshlanga. Uh, and Mshlanga, the beach has done some weird, funky things the last few years, and there's this, like, 
there's almost like a shelf that you can swim and walk out to and then stand on, and it's a bit deeper out into the ocean. Uh, I mean, it's not miles in the ocean, I mean, you can sort of see it there. Uh, and I took the kids, you know, one by one with me, and they loved it. Uh, it was one of the first times we were really in the ocean together with them. But I had to hold on to them because the waves out there were way stronger, and the kids loved nothing more, teaching them, okay, duck under the waves, and the waves could come. And you know, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. You duck under the waves, and the waves break on you, and they like rattle you and they flap you against the bottom of the ocean floor kind of thing. And I was holding on to the kids like for dear life. Like, these are my precious children. I love them. I don't want to have them drowning, you know, while I'm there with them. And every time these waves would come, I would hold them and just like, they would like, basically I could feel like a, a ribbon in the wind, like flapping behind me. And I'm holding on to them, making sure, because I know that if I let go of them, I'm going to be fetching them off the beach. I mean, that would be the best case scenario. Uh, but it was wonderful hearing the kids recount that story afterwards. And the way they had it in their, their minds was this, like, so we were holding on to dad. And then we would just flap under the sea kind of thing. And every time a wave would come, we'd hold on to dad. And then we'd, and I'd be like, yo, guys, I, I, I understand you maybe thought you were holding on to me. But, you know, I didn't burst their bubble. I'm not that kind of a dad. You're like, hey, listen, guys. You know, but I wanted, it was a wonderful picture for me. It's like in their minds, they think they're holding on to me so tightly. But there was, there was no grip coming from them. If I let go of them, they were history. They were on the beach or somewhere worse. They were gone. And, and that's, that's a great picture of what our life with God is like. We, we think we're holding on tight, you know, we're hanging on to you, Jesus. But literally, if he lets go of us, we'll be on the beach. We, we, we've got no strength to hold on to him unless he holds on to us. And that's the encouragement for us. Again, as we start a new year, able to save completely. He's not letting go of us. Uh, we may be going through all kinds of hell and difficulty and st- struggle and trial at the moment and overcome by you know, besetting sin and, and just starting a new year in a worse condition than we were last year, unsure of our future, a million things going wrong. But the reminder of the scripture is that Jesus holds on to us and he's able to save us completely. And he won't let go. He won't let go of us. Uh, the verse continues and it says he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Those who come to God through him. <clears throat> this isn't for everyone. This isn't good news for everyone. It, it's for those who come to God through him. Um, it, it's a wonderful assurance and comfort um, to us who are followers of Jesus that uh, as we come to him, these promises are applied to us. And, and maybe you're watching this this morning and you haven't ever really come to God through Jesus Christ. I want to remind you that that's the testimony and the promise of the scriptures is that there's only one way that you get to come to God and it's through Jesus Christ. And, and that that invitation is open to everyone to come to God and through him and receive all of this life and this promise and this joy in relationship with him. And I, I love the way this is phrased, that those who come to God through him, um, we're not robots, you know. God doesn't just press some buttons and then we're like, off we go, you know. We get to come to God through him. And, 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 it's, not, and it's not just a one-off act. It's not like we came to God through Jesus, we came to him, but we come again and again. And that's the joy of walking as a believer, as a child of God, is that moment by moment, day by day, year by year, we get to come to God. It's not like at the start of a new year, um, we, we have to fund a, another plan. It's like, well, God's exhausted from an epidemic or a pandemic, uh, or he's, exo- he's just tired of us. You know, we've been the same year after year. And now we need to find a backup plan for this year. Uh, That's the wonderful thing. Year after year, like I said, day after day, we get to come to our God. He has endless 
patience, endless grace for us, mercy, freshly baked for us every single morning. There's no other God like him, and we get to come to him. The third thing we see in this verse here is that uh, he always lives to intercede uh, for them. He always lives to intercede for them. This is, this is what he's doing. It says he always, it doesn't say he sometimes, occasionally, uh, you know, when he's got, a, he's got an hour or two in his day to, to sneak in some prayer for us. It says he always lives. He always lives. Jesus has the, the indestructible life. He has put death to death. He has left death in the grave. Uh, there's, no, there's no death with Jesus. Uh, he always lives. He has this indestructible life. He always lives. Now, what is he doing with this indestructible life? He always lives to intercede for them. This is, this is what Jesus is doing. Part of what Jesus is doing with his indestructible life is that he's praying for you. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And uh, what is he praying? What is he praying? That, that's a great question. And maybe best answered by by first answering what he's not praying. You hear some people um, almost put it across like this, that um, Jesus is now in heaven before the Father, and, and what he's doing is he's, he's sort of appeasing the Father. Like the Father has still, still got his Old Testament angry vibes about him. He's still the, the God of wrath of the Old Testament. And Jesus is the New Testament, loving, grace-giving down on the cross for our sins, kind of uh, inter intermediary between us and, and the Father. And now Jesus is in heaven, sort of trying to keep the Father back. You know, like, I don't know if you ever <laughs> uh, played rugby at school. I remember we had one guy on our rugby team. He was such a clown. Uh, and he loved to, he, he was a bit of a hot-headed guy, but he loved to joke around kind of thing. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, hold me back, hold me back. He would always pretend like he was going to go for something. Like, hold me back, hold me back. <laughs> I mean, he was never actually going to go for anyone, but he was like, it was hilarious. We would try to go for the other team, like, hold me back, you know. And I think some people think, like, that's the father. Like, hold me back, hold me back. And Jesus is like, no, no, dad, don't do it. Like, I love them. It's like, he's trying to convince the father that he loves us and that he shouldn't, like, smite the whole world kind of thing. Like, the wrath of God is a very real, a very real and very serious thing. And in the book of Mark, we're going to dive into that and have a, a more a deeper, thorough look at that. But for those of the followers of Jesus who are tethered to his new life, what, the, what Jesus is doing is not trying to convince the Father to love us. Remember that John told us that the Father so loved us, for the Father loved the world that he gave, he sent Jesus. They're in the same WhatsApp group. They're on the same page. The, the love that the Father has is the love that the Son has for us. They, they're on the same team. Jesus is not trying to convince the Father to respond to us and treat us in a way that he doesn't want to. They feel the same way towards us. Jesus' work of praying and interceding for us is simply this. On the cross, he accomplishes fully and finally um, he justifies us. He makes us legally and right standing with God, and he reconciles us to the Father. Uh, that's a once-for-all act, and his prayers in heaven apply the finished work of the cross to us on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis. The effects of the cross, the, what Jesus accomplishes, his prayers continually apply to the life of Doug Fell and every other believer in Jesus moment-by-moment moment, until I will see him face-to-face -face so that he can save me completely. 
That's how he saves me completely. He sits at the right hand of the Father and continually intercedes for me so that the finished work of the cross will be fully applied to my life every single day until I am fully made new in his presence. And he's praying for things that I'm completely unaware of. He's praying for victory over uh, our besetting sins, the things we keep falling over and over again. Um, he's praying for the unity of his church. You just look at the prayer life of Jesus when he's on earth, and that gives you a great indication of some of the things that he would be praying for now still. His church dividing over unnecessary things. He's praying um, for power in mission and, and, and so many other things. And I love, I love this idea that Jesus is praying for me for things that I'm completely unaware that I need. You know, I'm aware of a lot of things that I need, uh, and I'm aware of some of the things that, that many of you need. And maybe you're aware of some of the things that you need, and you pray along those lines and you make lists, but the wonder and the glory of, of Jesus who knows us better than we know ourselves is that he's able to pray with his perfection and his holiness and his perfect righteousness and his unfiltered access to the Father. He's able to pray perfectly for all of our needs in the most perfect way, even the things that we are unaware that we actually need. And it's amazing. And, and, and these, this prayer life of Jesus, this ongoing intercession for us, should instill the most astounding confidence in us who follow God. Uh, the most astounding confidence both in our access to God and in the things that we, uh, we attempt uh, for and with God on, on mission uh, with him in the world. Um, you may be familiar with that famous quote by Robert Murray McChain. He said this, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. I, I, I love that quote. And again and again, it's been a reminder to me that the, of the ongoing intercession of Jesus for and on my behalf and for his church and for the world, his, his followers. And it should instill in us, like I said, this, this massive confidence and this, this, this appetite for daring, audacious things uh, undertaken in the name of God to the glory of God. That we're not having to prove anything with God. We're not trying to win his approval or whatever, but we have, uh, we have Jesus praying for us and over us. Uh, and look, we're going to pray a whole bunch of things that are against the will of God. That's why Jesus says no to us. That's a, that's a complete sentence. Sometimes when Jesus just says no to us, because we ask for stuff that would damage us if Jesus gave it to us. If the Father gave us some of our requests, that would, it would damage us. And so the answer is no. But when our prayers do align with what the will of God is, you know, we can have massive confidence that the Father's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wants to answer. He wants to give. He wants to bless. He wants to move. Uh, somebody once told me that prayer can be described like this, that in prayer, we're not trying to overcome God's reluctance. Rather, we're trying to lay hold of God's highest willingness. We're not trying to twist God's arm and back him into a corner and trick him and you know, like tie him up in knots with his own promises to us uh, you know, and convince him to do something he doesn't really want to do. In prayer, we're coming to God and not overcoming a reluctant God. We're trying to lay hold of God's highest willingness, a God who wants to bless, who wants to empower, who wants to move in the world, who wants to save, who wants you to overcome besetting sin, who wants you to grow in holiness, who wants you to experience all the life and the peace and the hope and the joy that's meant to be part of gospel life in the Son. 
And so we can have confidence in that, that as we come to God, yeah, he's like, amen and amen and amen. I will do that for you. It's my great pleasure to do that. So as we close out this morning, I would love you uh, to be reminded this morning that as you come to pray, you're joining in with Jesus' prayers over you and for you. Uh, and uh, I, I, I want to encourage you to pray now. Uh, we're going to put up a slide, uh, and when I'm done here, just with a couple of uh, pointers, just to help you. And I would encourage you to, to pause this video. I would encourage you to, to just press pause on whatever you're watching on and just pray. Uh, you just make, make some time, as much time as you have. I, I don't know what your day looks like when you're listening to this, watching this, uh, to stop whatever you're doing now and spend some time praying right now uh, and joining in the ongoing prayers of Jesus over you. And the easiest way uh, to do this is to start with your own soul. Pray, pray for your own soul. Pray for growth and health and holiness and blessing. Um, then move out in circles. Uh, pray for those who are close to you and who you love and pray for the same things for them and pray for your family and your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues and think about that greater circle. Pray, pray for our church. Pray for the church that you're part of and pray God's blessing and health there. And then let's think of our city. Let's pray for, the, for those who are far away from God, who don't know him yet and not part of uh, the life of the Son of God. And let's pray that they would find that. And let's pray that our church should be an influence in our, in our city and a life-giving, gospel-fueled blessing to our city. And then let's, let's pray for a renewal in our city. Let's pray for our nation. Lord knows our nation needs so much prayer and so much of God's grace. And, and as we lift our eyes, let's pray for the nations of the world. I encourage you to just go in those concentric circles out and out further and further until you end up at the far ends of the nations of the world praying for God's blessing. Take as much time as you're able to make right now to pray. And maybe make a commitment, put it in your phone to say, I want to be found as somebody today coming to God. Coming to God. Make it your highest priority to come to Him. You don't have to come to God for hours and hours every day. That would, that would bless you, but you know, it's probably unrealistic, especially if you're not in that pattern yet. But to put a, a regular time in as much as you can in the day to come to God and just pray. You won't get all the words right. You're going to stumble over stuff. You're going to pray wrong things. You're going you're to mess stuff up, but that doesn't matter. You get to come to God, and you get to join in with the prayers of Jesus over your life. And as a part of that, I want to encourage you to join us uh, on Tuesday evening, we've got a church-wide uh, prayer gathering. We're going to be praying online because you can't pray in person. It's going to be another great time just to connect with each other uh, online. You can find the details uh, attached to this video and the newsletter and stuff. And I'd love you to join us. Uh, join us. Just log in for a while, as much time as you've got, and let's just pray. Let's just sit at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray God's grace, and let's pray strength into each other and encourage each other in that. I uh, I'm going to pray now. I want us to pray particularly as a church for some of the things that are going on in our nation. And then I will pop up, pop up that slide and I would encourage you to pause the video, spend some time praying, and then we'll close out our time together uh, with some worship. Let me, let me pray. I want to pray particularly for um, the health workers uh, who are in our church and connected to our church and in our nation who are just feeling the, the heat and the, the relentless onslaught of this uh, pandemic and just that God's grace would be all over them. There's m many others, and I, I want to mention this: that if you, um, if you are um, struggling with the effects of COVID, either in, you know yourself or in your immediate family, or you know of others who are, 
you know, not like I heard of my auntie's sixth removed. Like there's people who you have access to who would benefit from, from help, from somebody to phone them, pray with them, visit them. As much, as much help as we can provide as a church, we want to be helping people. Some people who are self-isolating, just feeling the crushing weight of loneliness, um, please let us know, as you know, of circumstances where we can help as a church. We'd love to um, use our time, connect people, and avail ourselves and just love people through um, all the mess of this. But let me pray um, now, and then you can spend some time praying on your own. Let's pray together. Father, we, um, we're so reassured um, at the start of a new year again that you hold the world in your hands. That even in the midst of a pandemic, um, things are not out of your control. You're the sovereign God of all things. You are good and you do good and no one has taken uh, you out and off the throne and removed you from your position of ultimate authority and control. And we rest our hearts in that, that you are who you have always been and who you will always be. Uh, and as we start a new year, our confidence is in you again. Um, and whilst this year hasn't started how we wanted, you, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing uh, with our church. You know what you're doing in our nation. You know what you're allowing. You're shaping us. You're transforming us. I pray that you'd give us eyes to see. Eyes to see uh, in, in, the, in the spirit what, you, what you're doing. That we wouldn't just be deceived with what our eyes can see and rising numbers and, and, and death all around us. I pray that you'd make us compassionate people who would run towards others and help and bless and serve and care. But I pray you'd also give us eyes to see what you're doing and the, the spiritual opportunities that you're awakening and the way that you're still on the move and your kingdom is extending and you're drawing people to yourself. Help us, give us eyes to see those things. And, and this morning, I want to pray for our healthcare workers, our, uh, the doctors, nurses, uh, cleaners, hospital staff, uh, everyone involved in that whole ecosystem of caring for and loving and helping people, people at mortuaries. Uh, oh, Father, all of these people who are encountering um, sickness and death on a day-to-day -day basis, wave after wave, it just feels relentless for them. And I want to pray for your grace and your help and your strength for them. I pray particularly for those who follow you, that you would in, infuse and, in, and strengthen them again with a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that you would enable them to love like Jesus in the situations where you've placed them, that they would be so strengthened, so filled, so empowered by you, that they would be the fragrance of Christ in those places of death and suffering and sickness. And that for all the healthcare workers, all these people in this health ecosystem, that you would sustain them, you would, you would help them, you would encourage them, that many of them would come to you as they reach the end of themselves, as their own physical strength fails, as they emotionally break down, that they would find you right there, loving them, longing to meet them, to reconcile with them and to strengthen them. I pray your blessing on their families. Thank you for the way they are so faithfully and sacrificially serving the people of our nation. And we pray your blessing and your goodness and your kindness and your strength over them this morning. Please, Father, would you do that? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.